0: So I have to step in here because I have to um, speak about something that's very difficult. Um, After my husband and I were married, my daughter was born, we moved away, which was about maybe like 45 minutes from my family. And, you know, I would go home a lot, you know, take the baby, take my daughter, go see my parents and stuff. And my brothers were always there. I was the oldest. I had three younger brothers. And we were all kind of two years apart. So I was the big sister. And, you know, I was like a tomboy until I was like, you know, 13 and you know, growing up with uh, dirt bikes and horses and in the woods all the time and that kind of thing. So we spent all of our time together. Um, And then I went home one day and my mom said my brother was not feeling well. And this is my middle brother. His name was Dale. And he was 14 at the time. And, um, I went in to check on him and, you know, he just wasn't feeling good. He was throwing up, you know, and had a little bit of a fever. Um, so my mom and I, we went to do errands or whatever it was we were doing. And she came back and I get a call later that she had taken him to the emergency room later that night. Um, he wasn't doing too good. He couldn't breathe. Um, and then the next call was they were life-flighting him to Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. So I obviously rushed to the hospital. Um, I get there, and um, my, my mom is there, and everything was just so crazy. Uh, turns out that he had a severe pneumonia Um, and he was in the ICU so some days go by Uh, this was February and you know the weeks go by and he's not getting any better they can't figure out how to treat him there's no research to help them at the time And you know, I just I remember being there we would sleep and you know in the in the lobby of the hospital because we didn't want to leave him um I remember the doctors coming out to talk to us you know and we were there for several weeks and then I went to visit um on April 1st and decided that I would go back the next day. So the next morning I get up and I hear a car in the driveway and I look out the window and I saw a sheriff's car and the deputy was getting out of the car to come to the door. And I already knew why they were there. So my husband answered the door, but I heard the message and they were there to tell me that my brother had passed away. I was 18 at the time and the message kind of got messed up because he said the deputy told my husband that we should hurry and get to the hospital because everyone was there so we rush. we're closer to the hospital than what my mother would have been my mother never left the hospital she stayed with him so we go and we get there and I rush into the room and his bed was empty And I kind of think I just blacked out for a little while because then the next thing I remember is driving down the freeway um, to go to my mother's, where we should have been going. That's what the message was supposed to say. And I remember walking in and seeing my mother On the sofa. Lifeless. I had been so close to my brother. Like, he was always with me. He adored his niece. Every time I came, you know, he would pick her up and take her off. And he was like the... The kid that was the life of the party, you know? Everybody loved him. He was a comedian. Everything was funny. He loved life. And then his was gone. And I'm telling this part now because this has a lot to do with movement of my life from that point forward. Because what I did was, since I was married and I didn't live at home, after his passing, I ignored it, like it didn't happen. When I would go home and visit, I would just pretend he was out with his friends and he wasn't there. I did that every time. It was just too hard to face that he was gone. I watched my mother go through the loss of a child. And she had been a teen mother. She had four children by the time she was 22, I think. it was crazy 24 so I'm going to end this episode here but I think that this part is extremely important because it speaks a lot about the things that I went through, the reasons that I went through them, and how I got to where I am today. So, what happened in my marriage and why did it end? Um, there were a lot of things. Um, after we separated um but what got us to the point of separation was my husband's career became everything to him um he became obsessed we had a huge house new beautiful home 3,500 square feet um cars mercedes um i think we had three at that time three cars at that time um And, you know, we were vacationing a few times a year, Hilton Head Island, um, you know, it just became his obsession. I remember him saying that he will be a millionaire by the time he's 42. So that was his goal. So he was like focused and, you know, spent more time, you know, doing his research and um, less time with the family and i was okay with it um you know i supported him but he then became insecure um he accused me of cheating on him um which i would never do i'm not the type of person that can in- intentionally hurt anyone um if I went to the tanning salon, he monitored how long I was gone. Um, he went, started going through my phone, and accusing me of cheating with um, football coach at the university where I worked. And it eventually just became too much on me. I couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, the arguing and the the you know fighting and the the disrespect and the trust issues, and I just couldn't do it. So I had a conversation with his mother, and she said, maybe if you leave him for a few weeks, he'll wake up and he'll realize what he's doing wrong. And I thought, wow, you know, maybe. So I told him I wanted a separation. Um, He moved in with his mom, which (laughs) was in sight of our home. Um, They had built a house, not even a half a mile from our home. So he moved in there and I kept the house and, you know, kids and tried to move on with life. But then he began stalking, basically. Um, He would, you know, come to the house at night and try to peek through the windows. The neighbors would tell me they saw him, you know, walking through the yard at night or I woke up one morning was getting ready for work and the master bath was um you could look out that window and see the driveway and I heard something and I look out and he was walking up the drive had parked his car behind some trees and was walking up the drive to peek in the garage door to see if I had somebody there and so at that point I realized um it was time for me to move out, to get away. Um, I had come home one night after being at the movies with a girlfriend, and when I came in from the garage into the house, I heard glass breaking, and it was him. He had been in the house and was trying to get out the back door before I came in, but he had knocked something over. So I went and got an apartment, and I moved out. Um and just took a few things that I needed. Um I went and purchased all new furniture for the apartment. Um left everything at the house um because we were at this point in the middle of a divorce. I had paid my attorney a retainer fee and told him what was going on and started the process. And My husband asked if we could talk. I would try. Um, He would beg. Um, He even cried. And that hurt me to see him that way um, because I know that he was really hurting. But it was him that caused that. It wasn't me. So Um, He even took me to a car dealership and tried to buy me a new car, a new Mercedes, um, as a bribe to come back to him. And I said no. So our divorce took two and a half years. He fought because he did not want me taking his money. And I didn't want it. So finally, after two and a half years, I called my attorney and said, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of fighting. I just want to end it. So we did. Um, I took very little, still, you know, a few thousand dollars. I'm not going to say the amount um, But I did have to sign off on a letter that my attorney had drawn up stating that, you know, I could have gotten so much more, but that I was choosing on my own not to. So that way I couldn't go back on my attorney and say, hey, you didn't do this for me. Um, So just as I did, you know, with my brother's death, I, um, I felt like if I moved away... Um, I could forget it. It was out of, you know, out of mind if I wasn't around where he was. So I moved about an hour away. Um, I rented a house. I paid the rent for a year. Um, and I tried to start a new life. I went to work for, um, a criminal defense attorney. Um, I'm a paralegal and, um, I tried that. And um, I just wasn't happy, you know. I wasn't, I missed my family life. And I was trying to do other things to, um, to fix the pain. Um, I started drinking and you know, partying with friends, new friends that I would meet, and that led to, you know, neglecting responsibilities, um, you know, I wasn't seeing my kids as much as I should, and, you know, I wasn't seeing my family, I shut my family out, um, that was one of the things that I always did, you know, I would shut everybody out, um, Because I feel other people's pain. I just don't and didn't know how to feel my own. To how to deal with my own pain. So um, I was meeting new people. And I remember, you know, sitting watching a football game. My kids were there and I told my oldest daughter, I was like, that's what I want. And she's like, what? And I said, a professional football player. Two days later, a friend of mine called me and said, are you home? And I said, yes. And he said, I have someone I want you to meet. And I was like, oh, I'm not really, you know, up to it. You know, who is it? And he said he's an NFL player um, originally from this area. And I finally I was like, okay, sure, why not?" Um, so they came over and that started a whole new chapter in my life.